What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good, good morning. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? I am. Is Leslie ready to say yes? All right. (laughs) I am, indeed. All right. Well, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. Ah, so, so good. It feels like it has been forever since we did the show, but it's only been a week, so... I don't know what that means. I guess it means this week was really busy. We should do a show on time and the concept of why does sometimes time go by quickly and other time time goes by so slowly. I think you're right, and uh, I'm writing that down. (laughs) If you are listening to us and to this show, you will know there is a show with the theme of time coming up real soon, real soon. So um, our theme this week is health. Every week we have a specific theme that we talk about and explore in the context of what does that have to do with saying yes to spirit. And this week that theme is health. But we never get into into our theme without connecting the dots with our previous theme. Last week oh. we talked about hope. And I, I tell you, that that was the most interesting of all the shows to me in terms of once I kind of, fixated my mind on what my belief was about that, I was lost to say much more about that concept. It was kind of a, I felt myself saying the same thing over and over again about hope and not coming up with any deeper kind of thing that I normally can go deeper into these random conversations we have. And for whatever reason last week, I didn't go very deep. So now I'm trying to get well, to another chance to go deeper. Well, it's hard to go deeper when you come to the conclusion that hope is simply a wimpy concept and it has no power, no value, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. I mean, how do you go deeper from there? I guess that's true. That's so funny. But I but I do see the connecting the dot with health and hope in terms of I think many times people we get caught up in the idea of hoping for good health. And, uh-huh. uh, again, allowing that word to, um, if it if the belief is really strong, then that belief carries the word into meaning. But if the um, word is not held in a strong belief, then I think that hoping for good health is, is just another kind of way of uh, creating a false sense of I'm doing something because I'm hoping. Right. I'm hoping for a miracle, which basically could be translated into, I don't really believe anything's going to happen. Right. Um, Yeah. Um, But, yeah, hope and health. I think even when we're not seriously ill, we're not seriously, you know, with what is considered life-threatening, that a lot of times we just kind of hope that we will have good health but we don't take any action to ensure that our health is as good as it can be. So we hope we will lose 25 pounds like our doctor has told us. I'm thinking about, you know, I had a stress test. Uh, This was a few years ago, like maybe seven or eight years ago. I had a stress test to test the condition of my heart. And the doctor said, I really want you to lose 25 to 30 pounds. And I was like, number one, I don't think I need to lose 30 pounds. And, (laughs) you know, 
You know, so I, I went through all of the things that, you know, we go through. And then I was like, well, okay, well, I, I, I didn't use the word hope, but that's what I was doing. Well, I hope that something changes in my body and I lose a little weight so that this doctor will see that I'm not totally ignoring him. But I have no <laughs> desire to lose 30 pounds. And, um, and so I wasn't taking any action. You know, I didn't change in what I ate. I didn't exercise any more or any less than I had already been doing. You know, I didn't make any changes. I didn't take any action. And I wasn't begging God to, like, take the weight away. It wasn't anything like that. But when I think about it, that's what I was doing. I was hoping that mm-hmm. somehow my health would improve and the, I would lose maybe 10 pounds or 15 pounds, but I didn't really do anything. And so I think we do that a lot. We hope for good health. And I think that's interesting. I'm I'm thinking of um, for years I I really believed the concept that I was worrying about something that I was actively doing something. <laughs> I, I grew up in a family where worrying that was that was productive. We're worrying. But you know, what are you doing, Dale Bant, Zula? We're worrying. That's what we're doing. And we feel good about that. And uh, it's kind of the, the same kind of thing of we're hoping, and that's, you know, not doing much of anything, but we feel active. You know, we feel like we're doing something, but not really. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's probably a good connect the dots that we, um, and in the way that we talked about hope as putting the power to change outside of yourself and and not really doing anything that you could do right that would that would support what it is you really want and um and just waiting to see if some power outside of yourself is going to magically make this happen mhm yeah so cool any other connected dots i think that's it and i just i have to tell you i'm very excited about health Big, big, big excitement going on for me about talking about health. So, all right. So let's take a quick break, and then we will come back and talk about our theme for this week on Say Yes to Spirit Health. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit on Blog Talk Radio Network. And our theme this week on Say Yes to Spirit is health. And the questions that are on the website are that, you know, there is no illness or disease in God, so why do we experience health challenges? Can belief heal sickness? Is there a metaphysical meaning for health conditions? So we can talk about all of that and more as we go into this conversation. So right before the break, Leslie, you said you are really excited about <laughs> this topic, and I am curious why. <laughs> well, you know, it's an interesting thing that's been a part of my belief system, speaking of belief systems, ever since I was young. I have had this belief, this understanding for myself that I don't get sick and um, so I just don't get sick. I've never been in the hospital, never had any real serious you know, on my back kind of flu for a week or 
um, even random sniffly kind of colds or just everyday sicknesses that people around me get, I don't get sick. And I last, I guess, two weeks ago now, uh, work uh, at the Dallas County Jail doing some groups, and a lot of the women had a stomach upset in the jail, and all the other staff and volunteers were getting sick, and I was going through my idea of, you know, that's just not a part of what happens for me. And then I got sick. <laughs> I never Did you miss the part earlier when I said I never get sick? And uh, um, yeah. Did you did you catch that? So uh, yeah. I immediately I immediately went into this first it was like just disbelief. I mean it really was just like wait a second, what has come over my body and you know taken over because this isn't me. I don't get sick. And and then I found myself getting kind of angry, like how, you know, how did this happen? This isn't supposed to happen. And then I started thinking, well, what am I doing that allowed, you know, what about my emotional well-being or my spiritual well-being, you know, is is working at a level that would, um, you know, welcome or, you know, allow this physical illness to take over for a period of time. And And I was interested in my emotional response to the whole thing and I noticed that it was kind of like I had a dual experience in terms of my body was sick and I had all of the things that happen when you have a a stomach um, flu kind of thing but I wasn't attached to it in terms of I never really owned it as happening it was happening obviously (laughs) but I didn't. I didn't experience it as happening, and I don't know. I, that's why I wanted to talk about it because it, it was a kind of a surreal kind of thing for me. And I think what I came away with that is that I had allowed my mental and spiritual uh, practice to get to kind of a, a very low place, and for me, that really the physical illness was a real gift in terms of wake up, wake up, there's something going on here. And it really wasn't about the stomach flu. It was about wake up, get your attention. And I have felt more connected spiritually. I've realigned myself with some, you know, daily practice items that I have put to the side. And and I've had a much richer spiritual feeling and experience in the last week since I got physically well. So it was just such a timely experience. I thought, I'm curious what Tracy Brown will say about this when we talk about health and in uh-huh. terms of it being, you know, more of a a messenger. I, 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 I perceived my illness as a messenger for me to to learn from rather than an illness that I had to, you know, take some peps over this mall and get well from. I, I wasn't really concerned about, you know, it resolving itself. I was concerned about how, what do I need to be learning or hearing from this experience. Yeah, I love that. And I I really love that um, that you did something, whether it was in, intuition or whether it was conscious, you didn't identify yourself with the illness. Right. So you, and you didn't deny that you weren't feeling well in your body. It's like I, sometimes I hear myself say, you know, my body's not feeling well, but I really am good. Right. So I really, all is good in my world, and my body is going through some challenges, and it's, you know, fighting an infection, or my body is, going through something, and it's not feeling too hot today, but it has nothing to do with, you know, I don't say it has nothing to do with my true essential nature, but that's what I'm thinking when I say it has nothing to do with, you know, whether or not I'm having a good day. Um, And so I think when we identify with whatever is going on and we say, I am sick, I have cancer, if we reversed it, we wouldn't say sick has me or cancer has me or this headache is in control of who I am as a person. And so I think our language 
you know, does a lot to show where we are in our awareness of what is going on with our body. So, yeah, I love that you were like, okay, so this isn't good, and it's a messenger. Illness is, is a messenger to reconnect me and get me back to my my spiritual and physical center. Right. So, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, so that's what I think. Um, we I'm noticing that we have a caller from area code 404, and this caller may be just dialing in to listen by phone, but I do want to activate the microphone. So if you are calling from area code 404 <laughs> and you have a comment or a question, uh, your microphone is open now, so please join us. Hey, you guys. How are you? Good. Fabulous. Yeah, I wanted to add in on this topic because um, it's, it's something that I actually do believe in. Um, when you do reconnective healing, um, we always associate that with um, things that are going through your life, which comes out in physical manifestation. And I have two situations in my family, which we have been working on. And uh, I have a little mentor. She's She's younger, and she does uh, fabulous reconnective healing. And she came to my house um, last year in uh, December, and I was just, I just found out that my dad had uh, prostate cancer. So we went up together, picked her up from South Carolina, drove from Atlanta, and went to D.C., and we basically started talking to my father, and the first thing that she said was, what are you guilty of? Well, my dad... My dad emotionally broke down because um, my dad had left me and my brother when we were very young. So he's never um, let go of that guilt, even though I have at least forgiven him. And the second issue with prostate cancer is procrastination. My grandfather was a military. So his family, my uncles and my dad, they all had structure. So basically, as he got older and he got his freedom coming to the States, his whole, his whole life went the other way. Sometimes when you live a certain way, when we get independent, we go the opposite way, no matter how much structure there is. Uh-oh. And so when you, um, so I guess what I'm saying is when you go through certain things in life, it does um, come out in physical manifestation. So we are now a year out. My dad has taken the task of learning to um, go through his guilt issues and even procrastination. And the more he's released it, the more he has not done chemo yet, and he looked good. <laughs> he looks good. Wow. Nothing whatsoever. And I think the basis of this conversation is we have the power to really heal ourselves. Uh, I'm not saying let go of doctors. I'm coming. I'm you know I'm from India. I mean, most of us are doctors, but I always say, you know, put in what we are um, what we um, we have available, which is science. And a lot of people don't understand that. That's um, one situation, and my brother has kidney disease. Um, I actually donated my kidney 10 years ago um, as a Monday, Monday coming up, and she also worked on him. I made When my brother was ready to accept and understand what this world was all about, my first priority was to go pick up this young lady and let's go. So she also did reconnective healing on him. Kidney disease is a result of grudge and angriness. Ooh. What does that result in? High blood pressure. What does high blood pressure result in? Kidney failure. So it's a, if you want to take it to one step above, we can. But a lot of people don't understand that. So it's a good way of setting reconnective healing and understanding how each situation is is related to what you're going through in life. So I love your topic today. But I wanted to give two examples of my situation and my family. Oh, I we love those examples. Really love them. I'm curious... You said your dad, that is so, and then you said you're from India, and I'm wondering, does your culture open more to this kind of thinking? Because I'm thinking of most 40- or 50-year-old men, there would be some resistance like, what are you saying? Why are you taking me here? And certainly, you know, it would seem kind of um, uh, off-putting to many, you know, well, men. So was he open to it right away? or? Um, me and my dad are freaking frack. He's psychic. He's also an intuitive, but he didn't realize that until my friend came and helped us. But he knew, but he never knew. Me and my dad always believed. You, you have to understand, I think what happened with our culture is 
we've we come from a country that created Ayurveda, yoga, Reiki, right. all these scientific measures and meditation and you know, just unbelievable stuff that our country has created. But what happens is that we come to America and we forget <laughs> what we were blessed of. Oh and honestly, God. we I know what you're saying because most of our culture is mostly doctors and engineers. So what happens is they forget about all this stuff that we're born with and what we have and what we um, were learned, we grew up with, and we get into this whole society and we forget about that. You know, it's all about the other things. But I think the shift is coming where doctors are now opening up. All different cultures are doctors. I think are all opening up, understanding that, you know, we need to put these measures in together. It's not just you give a pill and you won't get heartburn. Take it to the underlying issue. And I think we're so brainwashed of taking a pill. That's right. why the pharmaceutical industry is making so much money, which is, hey, it is what it is. But as a person, I'm glad that me and my father and my family made that choice to not to go that route. And my dad is very, very open. My dad's 65. Wow. And we're very open. We are, the day my brother had kidney failure about 10 years ago was the day that me and my dad connected on a whole spiritual level. And um, it's funny because, my sister and my brother are all kind of like freaking out and they don't know how to handle it where me and him were like, look, I can't take you each step. I can't take you to the doctors. It's your life. It's your choice. I'm okay for whatever happens to you. You know, when, when we go, I think we don't resolve our issues in life, so we hold on to that grudge. Well, I don't know if my card's ever when it's chosen, but I live life at a peaceful measure. I can't be worried about my siblings we all have our own choice to create our own destiny and to create our own choice of health. And so me and him are just on the same level where, you know, if something happened, I'm okay because we're okay. And he understands that. So it's kind of weird because it's awkward because no one around us is understanding the connection. But me and my dad are just like, uh, we could sit there and talk about this all day long. And actually he has been my, um, my cheerleader since the day one that I told him that I had the capabilities of healing and, and now my mother is on board after he's, she's been going through healing shifts that I've been trying to do on my own for the family. So you can see the shift coming, and they're like, oh, yeah, we did have this in India, but it's called this. Well, no, really? I know that, but you forgot that because you came here 50 years ago. But I think we're about to come into this world of shifting. But I think you're right. Everything that you have has something in correlation to what you're going through in life, which comes out in physical manifestation. Right. Yeah. And I and you're so like, Huh? Let, let's go ahead. Uh, I was. I, I like the idea of that we forget, but we can remember, and if we remind each other, I, I think that's yeah. why it's so important to have these kind of conversations and be willing to say to someone, "Have you considered this idea?" and to look at it and to be willing to be seen as the ooey ooey or the crazy one or, you know, and sometimes when I, because I will kind of overly say that to people and, you know, eight out of ten people, if they connect to it, they'll be like immediately they kind of awake to it and they're like, oh, my goodness, that makes sense. You know, two out of ten, what are you, crazy? But, you know, if, if we don't have these conversations, if we don't encourage each other to re-remember what we know, I love that you use that phrase, then then we're almost, you know, just sitting around and watching other people suffer for reasons that, that could be healed in this lifetime and not have to be carried on or manifested into more illness. You know, I think if I hadn't really stopped and looked at my situation and reconnected with some of my own core beliefs, you know, that stomach flu could have turned into, you know, something else could have turned into the message to get louder and louder until I stopped and listened, I think. Yeah, I agree. So great topic, ladies. I just got to work and turn blog talk on. I always like to learn and educate myself more and more, and I had to chime in on this conversation. <laughs> well, we, really appreciate, we really appreciate your call, and uh, we'll probably keep talking about your the examples that you shared and weave that into everything else that we say during the hour. And feel free to you know stay online and listen in. Or okay. Yeah, I definitely want to know. By um, 
you know, on on the computer, whichever way works best for you. But, you, you know, Leslie, it is really interesting, and I love, love both of those examples uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it reminds us to go to the root cause and that the cause is not always simply, you know, physical and that we have these spiritual connections in to our body and to our own perfect health. Right. So, yeah, so it's uh, it's it's great uh, to have additional powerful examples and that link that, you know, for I know that both you and I often go to the Louise Hay metaphysical listing of when something physical is showing up, what is it likely to be connected to? So I love that, you know, the caller made that connection too, that, you know, there is there are patterns. So prostate cancer, there's a pattern that most people or many people who manifest and display that particular kind of cancer have something really deep that they may not even be dealing with on a conscious level that right. is related to guilt or is related to procrastination or how those are intertwined in their life history. Not, it's not always something that just happened in the last week or two. Right, right. And that pattern is, is you know, getting to a critical mass, I think, by the time it starts manifesting in the physical body. It's kind of like yes. the the divine saying here's one last opportunity to to get get this get this worked out figure this out we really um so many times you know we think of cancer or some horrific diagnosis as this incredible curse or oh good heavens how could this happen to aunt harriet you know she's such a wonderful woman well i would challenge that belief in thinking of this is really the universe really loving aunt harriet as much as possible saying please get this you know here is one um, real dramatic kind of opportunity to stop and listen and learn, and it's always um, it's always interesting to me in the world of new thought and metaphysics and the people that I hang out with. Um, I hear the phrase a lot. Well, when someone gets diagnosed or someone has something really tragic happen, you know, don't go up to them and say, "Well, why did you choose this?" or "What are you not dealing with?" And um, mm-hmm. because, you know, that will seem offensive and upsetting and, and so forth and so on. But I think the timing of saying that is critical. But I do think, you know, on some level, again, it's the speaking about it. It's the, you know, offering the idea up. And and because in many ways, if this is my belief, by not sharing it, I'm not, I'm not making good use of, um, something that could be very, very healing, like that her dad's not having to go through chemotherapy, not having to put his body through that, um, you know, very sometimes difficult and harmful process to try to get, quote-unquote, better. He's able to get better without that. And if we are aware of this, we being people that are having, you know, common thinking, and we don't speak of it, I think we kind of, are doing a disservice. So the timing of it, yes, as soon as they get the diagnosis, perhaps not that day. I shouldn't make the phone call. But, you know, within a week or something. And, um, well, and I, I love the, and I can build from the example that was shared as well. It's not just the timing. It's also how you do it. So if if I am going through a serious illness, and you call me Leslie and you say, okay, so uh, why did you bring this on and what is it, you know, what is it that you need to heal about? Um, you know, I may not react very, very po- positively to that. But if in the course of a conversation, you know, you say, you know, I'm just wondering, are there any things that you are, you're feeling guilty about? But it hasn't been preceded by a why question, like why are you bringing your right. illness on to you? But it's just a very gentle question, as was demonstrated by our caller's example. You know, I'm 
would you, are there, are there, is there anything that you're feeling really guilty about? Because I may, you know, know that in this case the healer knew that there's this connection that often shows up for patients with that prognosis or that diagnosis. And so it's like just asking the question that way allows me without thinking I'm causing anything, without being defensive, to just take a deep breath and go, yeah, well, I feel a little guilty about this or oh, I feel guilty about that. And in that process, you know, the healing begins. But if it starts, so I think it's also how you bring it forward. Yeah. That's that a very good point, Tracy Brown. Yeah, that makes the difference and creates the readiness for people to look at what is going on inside of me. And it is as much a science, you know, the, the, we think of tech, when we say the technology or medical technology, we think of hooking people up to machines that monitor everything in our bodies and, you know, having the best surgeon and the, you know, the latest drugs. But there's also, I believe, a spiritual technology. You know, there is a science. I mean, we and we study science of mind and mind and spirit. And it's a technology of being able to use appropriately what our body is telling us and what our feelings and emotions are to get back to what you called at the beginning of the call our center. You know, you were off center, and so the illness that you were that your body was experiencing was a messenger to say, hey, wake up. And then you talked about, you know, I just, until I woke up and saw what was going on, I wasn't really doing my spiritual practice. and I wasn't grounded in my spiritual beliefs. You know, I wasn't living them out. So we can use science. Yes, yes, yes. And I think um, a couple of thoughts while you were talking, I, I had the metaphor of when you were saying, it's how you say it. I had a metaphor of someone kind of sleeping, and that my way of waking people up tends to be, you know, taking a bucket of cold water and splashing it, throwing it on them. And that's oh, that's a really cool. good image. That, that is, gets, yeah, a good image. Yeah, and yeah, where the divine usually probably, you know, touches your shoulder or blows in your ear, or tries, you know, very softly to awaken you first. You know, I'm like, oh, there's no time for that. Let's just throw the bucket of water on them. So, yeah, yeah, when they're least, when they're most vulnerable and That's least right. strong, let's right. just dump them in the tank of ice water. Yes, That's right. Because you know the bucket of water was six months ago, but now they're sick, so we just need to drop them into a tank of ice. That's right. They don't wake them up one way or the other. Um, my goodness! But in also talking about science and talking about even um, what would what would our doctors be called? Western doctors. But um, there was a conversation taking a class at the Center for Spiritual Living, and a woman in the class was, we were talking about health and healing, and she had a great example of, she had a hysterectomy a few years ago, and she said, you know, she just had loved her doctor, had such trust in him, just had such a good feeling about the whole surgery, and just loved the nurses, and had, I guess, you know, been in this hospital that she was going in before, and had a good feeling about the building and the hospital, and she said she just almost enjoyed the whole thing. And she said it was just so simple, and she had no side effects, and she had no problems. And so she had a couple of friends over the next few years that were going to have to have hysterectomies, and she's like, ah, you're going to love it. It's just really no problem. You're not going to have any issues, blah, blah, blah. And the friends were kind of hesitant and not really sure and nervous. And and she said they had horrible experiences and had all these complications. And what she realized was, that it's because she went in with this so certain belief that this Western medicine was going to work perfectly and this doctor was this great guy. And so that was her experience and where her friends were just uncertain and should we have it or should we not, should we try or should we not, that their experience was very different. And so, again, I think circling back to the idea of what is my core belief and that's kind of how it can work for me one way or the other. Yes, because whatever I believe really deeply, what I really, really believe, not what I say I believe, but what I really, really believe is what is going to show up, what is going to evidence in my life. Um, And even with with disease 
that we talk about as inherited and genetic and oh you know my my dad had um heart disease and diabetes and um ended up with amputations and thought of my uncles you know have had high blood pressure and diabetes or heart disease and you know both of my grandparents or three of my four grandparents had you know heart attacks or heart disease and so you know we have that that script that other people have told us from a very young age or we simply pick it up from what we've learned you know as we've grown in the 20th or 21st century and so you we start believing well it's inherited and and I you know the best I can do is maybe delay it but it's inevitable it's inherited so it's inevitable that I too have you know this illness or some form of it and uh in in the textbook you know one of lately one of my favorite sections of the science of mind textbook is the section that has meditations for self help and it you know just has i don't know 50 or 60 pages of or maybe even more of little short you know meditations that you can use or affirmations that you can use for different conditions or different situations and uh related to that the you know the one that came to mind as we since we started the show as we were talking was the one that talks about I do not inherit disease and it reads there is no inherited tendency to disease nor ill health i am born of pure spirit false ideas cannot be transmitted from one to another and i am free from race suggestion my life is from above and i remember that i was always perfect and complete an inner light shines forth and frees me from the bonds of false belief i come from spirit and it, i love that and it uses that phrase again i remember and and i just keep coming back to that it it, it is about remembering and awakening and knowing and not getting caught up in this systematic kind of society that wants to give us a different message. I love that the caller talked about, you know, things seem to be shifting and I absolutely believe that to be true as a, as a as a world we're getting to the critical mass that, that the shift is going to start becoming much more positive and much more in line with um looking at these things from a holistic standpoint versus, you know, I have a a hangnail on my left hand, I need to, you know, deal with that hangnail, but, you know, what is it saying for my whole body, my whole kind of mental, spiritual, physical self? Yeah, I I agree that the shift is happening. I mean, when people talk about, you know, 2012 and the end of civilization, you know, I like to say, well, the end of civilization is we have defined or described or believed it to be in the past versus everybody physically dies. And and there is that shift happening from a focus on information to welcoming more intuition. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean that technology will go away. It's just that information is kind of not the only thing. Intuition will be will be remembered, will be recalled. I mean, think right. about, um, you know, 500 years ago, there were people healing from all kinds of things, and they didn't have the technology that we have, you know. So we can in some ways think about moving um, from technology to tradition, and, you know, whether that's through Ayurvedic or... Um, Native American healing ceremonies are from you know all over the world. All of the all of the people who were living in past generations and past centuries had ways of staying connected to the core of who they are and to yes. healing whatever healing whatever was happening on a physical plane uh, without using 
some of the things that we have come to depend upon. Yes, and I love that you say, you know, all of the people. And I remember, I think it must have been 15 years now, a long time ago, I stumbled across a friend of mine sent me some information about a Reiki um, training. And I read about it, and I had never heard of Reiki before. And that's an energetic, ancient form of healing. For I think the caller actually used that uh, I talked a little bit about that, but it's a very, very well-known ancient form of energetic healing. It's a no-touch kind of healing exchange of healing energy, and I was so thrilled. I got the email, and my friend and I signed up, and it was like a three- or four-series thing and to get the Reiki energy and become a Reiki master, and I just I just knew that was, you know, going to be my, my thing forever and ever, and so we went, and I think, Three of them. You love how everything's going to be my thing forever and ever until the next thing. But mm-hmm. yeah. We went to the first three sessions, and yeah, it was really interesting and really exciting, and we both kind of got into it, and we got to the fourth session where we were going to get the Reiki energy. This was going to be when we were we were blessed with whatever we had been you know, seeking these last three sessions. And my friend called me the day before, and she's like, I just don't think I'm going to go. And I was like, are you on? Not I'm like, this is it. This is when we're going to get it. We can't miss this session. And she said to me, she said, Leslie, we all have that. It's not like she's going to give you something that you don't already have. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's going to give me this right here. <laughs> and she was like, you already have it, Leslie. Everybody has it. And I thought, oh, you're a nut. I'm going. I'm getting this Reiki energy. And so she did, you know, we were in a circle and she went around and did this, you know, ritual with putting her hand on her shoulders. And I really didn't uh, have any kind of, you know, lights going off or whistles going off. But I did have this sense of knowing exactly as my friend said, that it was just a deepening or a, a deeper awakening of what already was. And it was really an interesting experience. And I I think of it in terms that I've heard other people say that the getting, quote-unquote, or going through a Reiki teaching or a training is kind of like, you know, we're all radios. And we all have these antennas that can go up and get the radio signal. And, you know, having the experience of the workshops sort of heightens the, the attunement or, you know, gets the receiver, uh, connector-receiver relationship stronger. But certainly... We are all healers, and we all have the Reiki energy, whatever you want to call the healing energy within us. And again, it's a matter of of awakening to it, and you know, in in embodying it, in using it, and testing it, and experimenting with it, and getting excited about it, and throwing waters of buckets of cold water on each other, and saying, "Try this," you know. Right. And well, and and like everything else that we. Um, "Quote unquote," learn in our human experience. It it is. It's that oh, we we have been raised to believe that someone needs to teach us, and someone needs to bless us. Not in terms of just a spiritual blessing, but you know, if I want to have a career as a firefighter, I'm looking for affirmation or validation that other people, you know, my parents or my you know best friends, that other people also think it's a good idea. So yeah, so there's so there is such a thing as Reiki training and I'm gonna, you know, give you this energy, but it really is the person who's even doing the training, you know, often, if not always, is really aware that, you know, I'm not giving you anything, but I am helping you connect with what is fully present within you so that you can recognize it and share it. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, in in so many ways, that's what so much of our learning is about, especially when it's related to deepening our spiritual practice or sharing our spiritual core in the world. You know what you also said was um, in the uh, in the film, The Living Matrix. Yes, um, it, it's it's a whole hour. Of, maybe 70 minutes, about about how complex our physical bodies are and how integrated they are with what is beyond the physical. 
And so our whole conversation over the last 45 minutes or so, you know, is just reminding me of that film, The Living Matrix, and and all of the different modalities of healing that are available to us that have nothing to do with quote-unquote, you know, medical science. It's more the ancient medical science, medical technology that we don't even, we haven't even begun to tap into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is so true. We haven't begun to tap into it yet. There is a, a resurgence of it in terms of, you know, this kind of ground swelling of people talking about it. And I'm hearing people talk about it like in coffee shops and random. It seems to be coming more, quote, unquote, mainstream. And I certainly, I credit my, my guru, Oprah Winfrey, she she really is talking a whole lot about this. And I just, I wish I could call her up on the phone and say how much I appreciate that. Because I think, in a strange way, she reaches an audience. Uh, if you listen to it, she's doing this, um, uh, I forget, Life Lessons every day on her own TV show. I don't get that, but I've kept up with some of it on the Internet. And a lot of her topics are around this, you know, oneness and this energy that is available for healing and all sorts of different kind of healing modalities. And she's reaching an audience that would normally never consider that. People, very traditional thinking people are big Oprah fans. So they're getting this message that if, you know, if I had a platform or someone else had a platform, they would automatically kind of discount because, oh, that person's crazy but because she has established this relationship with people and they trust her, then when she says these things that seem kind of out there, they're more. I think that the door is cracked open more for them to accept it and maybe try it on. And, and you hear, I hear callers, I see emails coming into her show saying, you know, I never would have thought about considering, you know, going to a homeopath for my remedy then you know because you had a session or talk about that I did and my goodness this has happened and I've had this healing so I think um, I think getting the word out to everyone on every different level is is so exciting right now it's a very exciting time in metaphysics yeah there is a, a bridge that is being built between um yeah, between what is very metaphysical and very core to our innate nature, our true essential nature, and what has developed as a result of our focus for the last many decades, maybe centuries, but definitely decades on our head, you know, on the brain and the brain being the center of everything, the center of all knowledge and the center of all answers or solutions. And what we're what we are reconnecting with is that yes, we have a brain that's an amazing amazing instrument, an amazing organ, an amazing computer, you know, in a in in a physical form. And what if that is not really the center? What if the center is from the heart connecting with an energy that connects all of us, that is available to everyone? And, you know, that it can be spiritual in a sense, and the quantum physicists, you know, say it's very scientific and it's repeatable, it's, it's trackable, it's measurable, there are patterns. And I, we are, as as a human race, we are opening up to, that's really interesting, we're opening up to a past that we knew. Yes, we're awakening. Which we sounds are contradictory. Mm-hmm. Right, we're awakening to what we have been uh, sleeping through. Um, and I, I just, I love being a part of that evolution. Right. I love that. And you say the brain, and I think of it in terms of like the ego, and we've gone as far as we can go in terms of humanity depending on ego and feeding ego and and all of the the um, warm and fuzzy kind of manifesting of physical money, well-being, selfishness, you know, that, that had its kind of place, and now it's 
like the shift is coming around to this heart opening. I like that you use that term, and I think that was in the Living Matrix, wasn't it? The yes. term that the heart is the connector, the oneness, and that, and that the more uh, the more that we pay attention to that individually, then the more the collective starts to understand it exponentially. Is that the right word? Exponentially. Exponentially, yes. Exponentially, yes. When I use big words, I get very nervous. So, um, so I love that our caller referred to you know her own ability and connection with healing, and that she partnered with and brought in the expertise of a reconnective healer. So, um, so that brings me at least to that thought of okay, so what practices? can I do that connect me with my own ability to heal myself and to to be open to and to accept healing, whether it is healing coming through the hands of a surgeon and Western medicine and technology, or whether it is coming through coaching and an opening created by a metaphysical healer or an alternative healing practice. Like, what are some things that I can do? Because, you know, we always, every week we try to spend five or six minutes at least on spiritual practices. So anything that comes to mind for you? You know, creating a trigger, this is an interesting, I'm going to start talking, maybe it will come back around to answering that question, but when the um, theme song to our show started today, mm-hmm. about the cost, I'm going to take a glass of water there, um, it occurred to me that that, because you play it every week, and that the song itself, uh, the, the melody itself, today I noticed, had a physical effect on my body. I felt my body settling down, I felt my energy level kind of rising up and I felt this excitement and this something that's happening and I love this and this is a great time because this show is one of my favorite times of the week and it occurred to me that 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 music cued me to the experience that was about to happen and the trigger of having something um, powerful came through that music Um, I talk a lot about the work that I do at the Dallas County Women's Jail. And this last week we were lucky enough to have a musician, a woman who makes her living writing songs, and and a musician that lives in Fort Worth, came in and did some music uh, workshops, some sort of music therapy workshops. And it was extraordinary to me to watch as she played the guitar how she played the emotion of the women and how the women's Mm -hmm. emotion was triggered into different um, memories and different feelings via the music. And I wonder if music being a spiritual practice or, you know, being aware of the music that I'm listening to or using mood, she she used the phrase that she uses music as mood therapy. And when she's, yeah. you know, really wanting to, to help her mood or help herself cry or help herself feel better, she consciously chooses different types of music to listen to. And I had never thought of that as a spiritual practice, but I'm thinking, wow, I think it can be. I agree. And I I know, well, partly I agree because I do that. Um, I, over the years, have developed that habit of often I will simply have more music in terms of um, sound therapy you know, so I'll have music playing in my house to keep me calm, or I'll use a Stephen Halpern learning accelerated learning CD when I'm really trying to focus on a project and get it done, and and have that trigger. Hmm. And I, um, in the CD player that is right by my bed on my nightstand, you know, I'll have the same CD you know, play when I'm going to sleep because it trains my body to go into sleep in a very grounded and clear-hearted way. So, you know, it might be for three months or six months I have the Stephen Halpern Sleep Soundly CD in. Right now, for the last 
probably about five months, I had the Marcy Ham, um, I want to say Emory Journey, but that's not it. That's the class that's on my mind, right? Um, I'll, it'll come to me in a minute. But I have that CD um, playing, and and so when I hear it, it just immediately, it's it's like what happens with meditation. You're training your body, soul, spirit, and mind to get in alignment when you meditate, and it's this. I think you can do the same thing with sound. And, you know, I know people who, when they're going to clean their house, like, you know, they put on some rock and roll music or they put on Motown and R&B, some, you know, something really up-tempo, and it's the same concept. It's sound therapy. It's music therapy to get you in the mood to do something that you really want to do. So I, I do believe that with health, we could do that with music. We could... Uh, if we're not feeling, if our body is experiencing something, we're not feeling well. To use, you know, a, DV, a CD or a DVD that has someone playing the crystal bowls or the Tibetan bowls, um, or you know, we could train ourselves over time. There's certain sounds, certain music that heals. Yeah, I thought that was that was very interesting timing for me this week to look at that music as a as a spiritual practice and. And as a opening for healing to the physical body and releasing, I think any kind of spiritual practice that releases, you know, the literal toxins or the metaphysical toxins that, that we're holding in terms of um, allowing ourselves to, as the caller said, you know, let go of that guilt, let go of that anxiety, let go of whatever that emotional welling is. Um, that we might not even be able to identify what it is, but to give time and space to that. I think simply sitting still, and whether it's through meditation or through prayer or just, you know, contemplative moment to give our bodies a relaxation space for, you know, a minute or five minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but not to overlook the importance of, of doing nothing for a period of time. I think as we go, 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 that in and of itself seems like almost uh, we get in this automatic pilot kind of life that just kind of takes over and days go by. And, you know, when we talk about time next time, you know, we can lose weeks and uh, not really have found any kind of peaceful moment. And I think that has a toll. So for me, having a spiritual practice of just something quiet sitting whether it be again doesn't matter the form but just giving myself some space yeah i i agree and i i think we also affirm what we know to be the truth about our physical self our health and um you know for you for a lot of your life that's been i don't get sick it's like okay that's just the truth of me um you know, and that works because you started using that at such a young age and, and it's just really your core belief about yourself. You know, so if we were telling someone who is starting now to do an affirmation about that, it might be in the affirmative sense of I am always healthy. Uh, I I am an example of perfect health and, um, you know, and staying with that and reminding ourselves of that is also a really good practice, a good way to use affirmations. And the word remembering, you know, has come up every five minutes in the last uh, 50 minutes. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, ask, just asking what's beneath the surface. So, you know, help me remember who I really am and then listening for the intuition, I think, could be a really helpful practice. Oh, I love that. Just just ask for that. Ask the divine yeah. to reveal that over and over. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, good topic, health. And um, and my guess is we'll probably revisit this topic at some point in the next year and go a little bit deeper with it. But for this week, our time is completely up. Love it. So I want to invite people who are listening to this to join us next week uh, for our focus on home. And mm. we'll, be re- we'll be doing that live on Saturday during the Thanksgiving holiday weekend of 2011. 
So please join us and talk about what this home means for you and did you go home for the holidays and do you want to go home for the holidays? <laughs> yeah, there's my question. And, yeah. <laughs> and until we talk again, I just want to encourage you to say yes. Say yes. Spirit. spirit. Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. Baby, just let it be. If it's meant to be, it'll be. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.